This episode of RFK Refugees is brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. If you'd like to ensure that there are future episodes and help this show grow, visit patreon.com slash rfkrefugees. That's patreon.com slash rfkrefugees. Enjoy the show. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, RFK Refugees podcast. John is not joining me. He abandoned me. He's looking for Jared Jeffrey and where he uh, might be and appear. He's under that investigation, so trust me, he is on that. Uh, in the meantime, we like to call, we, we decided to name this segment uh, The View from Section 113 because that's where the opposing fans sit. Uh, hopefully, we'll have some Colorado fans here at the game, but in the meantime, we thought we always give you a behind the scenes look, a look at the team that we're playing uh, this week, and we have Matt Pollard. Uh, who's coming here to talk the Colorado Rapids. Matt, how you doing? Uh, thank you very much for having me on the podcast. Uh, I'm the site manager of Last Word on Soccer and the red half of holding the high line with Rabbi and Red. Uh, fun little fact here, Ted. One of my good friends from college is actually uh, finishing up school or finishing up grad school um, up at College Park against Maryland, and he and his uh, roommate treated me to the last call at RFK, and I am holding a chunk of concrete that I acquired <laughs> on that day under, we'll call it dubious circumstances. I'm not sure what the, the statute of limitations is uh, in the district as far as um property on uh public property uh, the, question mark. <laughs> the the amount of people who were trying to uh grab a piece of of the stands and sneak it out of the stadium um while they were you know hog dying people and you know looking to uh not detain anybody they didn't detain anybody they just kind of took the seat and let people go on their way um you're fine i don't think you got anything going on <laughs> okay so yeah i've got a i've got a chunk of rfk so i guess i would i would call myself an rfk tourist maybe and, you, you know go. like i visited the old amusement park uh and now that it's been uh you know getting torn down and getting replaced you know maybe i'll be an audi field tourist uh next year or three years from now when the when the pits come to to dc again well it's uh it's it's still there it's still standing but um it is it's, it's for a few events until Dan Snyder gets a bunch of money and wants to, or gets given a bunch of money, which should make DC fans furious considering how long it took us to get the same type of treatment. But hey, that's that's the way it is uh, when you live in uh, when you're in the DC area. Um, but we didn't come here to talk about uh, DC politics and sports. We came here to talk about the game on Saturday, which DC United will be taking on the Colorado Rapids. Um, g- give me a sense, kind of what is what is the mood like in in Colorado? Um, is it is it optimistic? Is it because you guys made a whole bunch of moves this offseason. So mm-hmm. I'm just curious, what's the mood like um, in, in Denver? Um, I, I would say Rapids Twitter is fully if everyone at least has, I think, one foot on the panic button or is just completely accepted nihilism of the fact that just the club isn't going anywhere as long as somebody with the last name. Cronky is managing it. I will say very similar to last year, um, you know, when the Rapids brought in a bunch of players, you know, raiding the English championship with the Tommy Smiths and the Jack Prices, I think fans were really, really optimistic about what the team was doing. You know, Hudson drummed up and made a whole bunch of promises towards the end of last season um, and in his final press conference availability that I was at, um, that would have been the day after and the immediately after the decision day game against uh, FC Dallas when Cole Bassett um, got his first goal for the club, scored again on Orlando, absolutely fantastic finish from him. And they said they needed to bring in attacking players and they were going to go with proven players in MLS. And if you're going to get guys on the cheap, you know, only giving up an international roster spot, uh, you know, valued at about $200,000 in ZAM, any combination of GAM and TAM, um, 
for a guy like Kai Kamara, who was on a not good Vancouver Whitecaps team last year and scored 14 goals in 28 games. That's a home run compared to what Yannick Boley and Stefan Eigner were for the club last year. And then you bring in Benny Fellhaber. There was a lot of banter about what actual role that he, he was going to play in. Uh, Hudson's kind of had him all over the place in the uh, the 4-4-2 diamond. I'm using air quotes there, Ted. <laughs> we can talk about that in a little bit if you want. Um, so there was optimism about that. Kind of lukewarm on Nicholas Mesquita just because I don't know that he ever showed for more than three or four games that um, he was really, really good in Vancouver, but they knew they needed to bring in attacking options. They brought in Nicky Jackson, who's a solid bench option. He was only a fourth round draft pick. They traded up um, you know, on, on draft day to pick up Andre Shinyashiki. I can't remember the last time there was a move made by the club that the fans wanted it, the player they were potentially acquiring wanted it, and the front office went for it and got it for a reasonable price. I think fans are absolutely happy with the the former DU pioneer, the crudely the hometown boy. He's originally from Brazil. So they brought in a whole bunch of attacking options, and I think fans were genuinely optimistic about it. And the offense has kind of been stop-starty. They've tried to figure things out, but... The midfield's a mess right now with whatever it's been, whether it's been the diamond or Rorschach test that is aspiring to be a diamond. And the defense is still very, very suspect. And, you know, up until court four gets healthy, I think there's some serious questions about who's going to play at center back and who's actually going to be good enough to play at center back for the pits. You gave me like uh, pretty much like everything I would ever ask for from a fan about about how the team looks. Uh, that was fantastic. Um, I, I want to get a sense, and I want I want to take maybe a little bit of a step away from the ball. Um, I do want to ask about. So uh, we've seen a lot. Um, a lot of the teams um, like Columbus. Uh, Chicago and other teams sort of uh, look for new stadiums. Um, they were sort of, and, and Colorado was among this. There was always this idea that you go, you know, in the early days of MLS, you go out and get a stadium. You, you get a stadium, and you you get that revenue stream, and and you and and you get out of playing at you know Mile High Stadium or uh, Soldier Field. Um, now we're seeing an interesting development now, where you have like you know a team like Columbus, who uh, of course is under new ownership, so there's a whole new direction there. Uh, but they're looking to get out of Crew Stadium, uh, even though they've it feels it feels like really soon that. They only had that. And also you have Chicago trying to get out of Bridge, uh, Bridgeview. Uh, so the thought to me come, uh, came to me this week was like, who else do I think could maybe benefit um, from a move, either either a new facility somewhere, maybe closer to downtown? Um, and the first team that came to mind for me was the Colorado Rapids. Do you ever foresee a moment when, uh, you know, Sam Kroenke either, you know, maybe he sells it to a new owner or someone or he comes in and says, you know what, we need to be closer to downtown. We need to get out of I think it's in Commerce City. Colorado, correct? That's where the uh, correct. They're in they're in Commerce City. It's straight due west. Um, uh, it's it's about seven miles straight uh, straight on I seventy towards the airport. Um, from uh from downtown, I would say without traffic, it's about fifteen minutes. Um, if you add like say rush hour without snow that I would have potentially experienced <laughs> yesterday trying to get to the game for Seattle, uh, leaving from the middle of downtown, you're probably looking at about thirty to thirty five minutes probably. So I mean, do you ever foresee them though making maybe a move more to the downtown area to try to you know get closer drum up different a different type of support um because i mean i i i, I promise i'm not going to make this all you know about, about ragging on the colorado rapids but i mean attendance so far um has not has not been good um and it hasn't really been sort of the catalyst i think we all kind of thought um similar similar to what's kind of going on with chicago and, and bridgeview stadium so do you ever foresee a move like that happening soon 
Um, I don't see it anytime soon. I think it's an interesting concept. Uh, you know, you mentioned some of the other teams, and, you know, we can throw in DC United um, in there as well as far as the class of 96, and then pretty much all of their stadium situations were kind of a proof of concept. And we saw that first, um, you know, with originally Columbus Crew Stadium and now Matt Free Stadium. You know, there's a lot of banter between, you know, Galaxy fans and LAFC fans about, you know, them being the Carson Galaxy. Um, the Rapids are very much in that MLS 1.0 mold. Exporting this park, I believe, to open up in 2007 off the top of my head. And that was the first real that, you know, that was right before the first wave of teams coming in as expansion teams and getting their first stadium. And it was still very much in the, you know, they were aspiring to get, you know, the family crowd. They were moving out and relatively, you know, in the suburb. You know, there's a lot of it's a family friendly park, certainly, um, you know, it's super easy if you're from um, Aurora, which is that suburb out that would be just south on the other side of I-70, but you haven't really tapped into the millennial crowd. It's a little bit harder to get the the hipster crowd from that environment. Uh, there was this big plan when Kroenke unveiled it that they were going to have a massive Dick Sporting Goods, the actual store, uh, the Sporting Goods store that sponsors the stadium uh, in one of the main lots that they have there. Um, they had this whole victory. Uh, um, uh, it's actually, it's I believe the stadium's actually on one victory way. Victory way is the main one off of 64th that I drive to ultimately park at the at the, at the grounds um, and they were going to have you know this whole commercial development and there was going to be a whole new sports bar so potentially that was going to you know they were going to open up this big complex with shopping potentially residential as their area as well a big sports bar that was going to be soccer themed that potentially was going to host C3008 for their um for their away watch parties and basically other than the stadium and the actual, uh, you know, practice fields around there that the Rapids use, that the Development Academy uses, um, none of that really came to fruition. And Commerce City, you know, it's kind of, there's not a whole lot going out right there. You know, there's a, a big FedEx hub, so there's a lot of trucks that kind of are going in and around the stadium. You know, there's a couple auto parts store, but for the most part, you know, it's it's a, a connection right off of a highway like a truck stop. And so C38 does a really, really good job of setting up and trying to have a game day atmosphere with the tailgates they have and they have the busing systems from the Celtic, that's their main bar, and then also the Stout Street Bulldogs that uh, host uh, the Denver chapter of American Outlaws. So that's really fun. But, you know, that's, you know, that's an hour and a half before, um, you know, games actually before the game actually starts that, hey, let's get a beer before we end up heading into our seats. There's just there's not really an atmosphere there. There's nothing else in the area. It's super convenient if, you know, you live if you live east of downtown. But if you're coming from the south side, like Littleton or, you know, up further north, you know, I know a couple of people who commute in from Boulder. You know, that's that's a little bit more of a trek compared to being down 70 that goes um, straight east west, basically. It's Kansas, the DIA, nothing, the DIA airport, um, uh, Denver, the front range, and then basically straight into the mountains. So anytime you're going skiing and you're from Denver, you're going at least a solid 30, 40 miles on I-70. And then you have I-25 that goes straight north-south. So crudely, Fort Collins, uh, um, Denver, and then uh, I-70 south is what I would take to stay, go to see a switchbacks game, for example. They're right off of I-25. And so downtown is right next to that intersection. Um, uh, Pepsi Center, where the uh, Avalanche and where the um, where the Denver Nuggets are prepping for their playoffs uh, to start in hockey and, and basketball, respectively. They're right next to there, and then right on the other side is Mile High. So you know, it, you know, if I were to plop down, uh, you know, Mile High Stadium into one of those other two quadrants, I think it'd be a very, very different. You get a lot more just general walk-in traffic. You get a lot more. You just have more atmosphere. You know, on a Broncos game day, downtown is littered with everybody wearing orange, and so you know 
know, people are going to bars before the game, they're going to bars after the game, it's really walkable in the area, or, you know, taking an Uber to the stadium if you're just a little bit further away. And the Rapids don't really have that. It's a, it's a commuting atmosphere. Um, the uh, RTD, the, um, the local transit authority, just set up a... Um, a bus system that'll actually drop you off there but you know that's you know that's you know almost 11 years into the stadium's existence and you still have to walk a little bit and it takes over an hour from downtown i did it once just to experiment to see how it would end up working and that's not really feasible you know as opposed to your car um I think there would be desire to do that. I don't think Stan Kroenke or anybody in his uh, organization would be interested in that. I think it would have to be more of a Columbus Crew Stadium situation, not in a save the Rapids like Kroenke's trying to move the team sort of a thing. But I think that would have to be there'd have to be a new there have to be some sort of ownership shift, and it would have to be someone who is truly invested in the club who wanted to move into uh, a different situation. I think the one area where maybe the Rapids have done a better job than some of the other MLS. Uh, 1.0 stadiums um, in terms of trying to find other revenue or having a benefit from the actual area is Dick Sporting Goods Park is set up really, really good for sort of a stage area crudely in and around the box on the north side of the stadium, the open end of the park. Um, and then uh, so they normally have a fish concert there pretty regularly, usually right after 4th of July, there's some sort of other celebration. And so I would say of all the other outdoor venues, they probably have the most regular options. And in terms of getting something in the summer in Denver, if you're not able to sell out, um, you know, Mile High Stadium where the Broncos play, that's a solid 70,000 people, you know, really it's Red Rocks, which is in Golden, Colorado, not that far away from where I work. That's it's about 5,000 people, you know, really, really cool right up against the mountains. Or if you want something bigger pretty much Dix is really the only other option there's not a big high school stadium mm -hmm. uh you know uh there's too many complications with trying to go to see you boulder up the road just in terms of traffic and then just the parking situation to try and get to Folsom Field you know if you want a solid slightly small outdoor venue for some sort of summer event Dick Sporting this Park is really the only option and KSE has taken advantage of that in terms of an alternative revenue um we could have a whole bunch of conversations. I don't know if uh, <laughs> if any of your listeners are Arsenal fans about um, you know the Cronkies using revenue from certain sports sources for other things other than putting it back into that respective sports club. Yeah, I think uh, I th I think that's that's been one of the main stories with Cronkie. I noticed there was, there was an article I think the Men in Blazers put out for like the Super Bowl. They said it's like the owner who care doesn't care about their MLS team versus the owner who doesn't care about their EPL team. And I said the kicker is you know at least one of them owns an MLS, an MLS team. So uh, yeah. Uh, so shifting focus back to the team um, I found it fun, I, I did find it interesting you went through that you early in the show early in the interview you went through you know all the different positions there's one big position you left out and that is your goalkeeper position which is Tim Howard uh, it's Tim Howard's last year um, in the in the, for the team uh, obviously a US men's national team legend uh, he's not the same player he was you know in 2014 when he stopped like 100 shots or something like that in the World Cup. Uh, but I mean, he still certainly has talent. How has he looked this season? Has he, he had kind of a, is that kind of a rough, uh, he had a good first season, I guess, when he came back, uh, but it's been a couple rough seasons after that. But how has he sort of looked early in this season? Um, in terms of like an on a field performance, I think Howard's been absolutely fine. Um, you know, when when we host uh, holding the high line, typically when we go through a goal or an entire season, we like to have the blame pie. So think about, you know, if a goal is entirely on one person for a howler or an own goal, they get the entirety of the blame pie. But if it's a built up a little bit more, you know, we could put a little bit here, or a little bit there in terms of players or even extending that to the coaching staff. And I don't think there's been any goal that the Rapids have given up that I would say are really Tim Howard's fault. Um, I think 
think some of the angrier, more hot-taking members in Section 117, where C-38 is, or on Twitter will um, lambaste Howard. There's been a couple of plays, and we've seen this in earlier iterations with the Rapids, where um, he just won't dive at a ball he thinks is totally not uh, viable for him. Go back and check out the free kick that... Um, uh, not whom I think uh, Scotsman on on Sporting Kansas City Johnny Russell um, who scored the uh, the set piece goal to ultimately give SKC um, a a one one draw against the Rapids. I don't think even Tim Howard from 2014 maybe is making a save at that, but he's been fine in terms of his on field performance. Uh, he's been trying to communicate more with the center backs who've been struggling a whole lot, and he's definitely focused on trying to make this last season um, as good as it can. Um, he's not at least as of right now in any of my media interactions with him or what I've seen taking this as a, a you know as a as a victory lap or you know a, a celebration of him like we saw with Landon Donovan in uh in 2014 um you know obviously he's got a game coming up in the next couple of months that'll be at Red Bull Arena that'll be a homecoming for him that I'm sure uh, the New York Red Bulls organization will try and honor him and you know he'll have probably a solid 100 plus um ticket requests from family members uh, other than <laughs> um you know his kids who are in Memphis pretty much every Everybody, um, genetically related to him is still in the Jersey area. Um, but, you know, he's focused on the season. He's obviously got a lot of other things going on off the field that, um, you know, he's been trying to hype up on social media that some fans are a little bit upset about. Um, he did a promo for the start of the season for uh, Memphis 901, the USL club that he it's kind of unclear whether or not he's just an advisor in that if he's a part owner or if there's going to be an ownership opportunity for him when he ultimately ends up retiring but he did a social media post with that and then uh, Mark Birch who is uh, with the Rapids at a left back um, for them uh, about the same time Howard was is now uh, the captain for uh, Memphis 901 they did a little media session where um, Howard was wearing some Memphis gear that Rapids fans kind of got a little bit upset at because he was wearing that while also being a Rapids player and then obviously when we get into later in the season um the rapids pretty regularly have wednesdays off that are really convenient for his um uh you know flying out to atlanta for the champions league coverage that he's been doing so far um he hasn't done that yet this season um i think he did it once in preseason when they had about a three or four day midweek off before they went out to california to do the uh the split squad game uh with the galaxy and then to vegas as well um but he's he's focused on the season he's trying to do the best that he can um he's trying to be a leader he's obviously the captain of the club in the face of their them from a, a media and a marketing standpoint he's just clearly not the the player that he was in 2014 and there's only so much that he can do um you know in terms of trying to improve his center back situation just by trying to be a better leader and better communicator from the back yeah mark uh mark birch is uh, certainly a name that'll be familiar to uh to dc united fans back in the day a uh, guy we still miss uh for his uh his uh seemingly unbelievable free kicks he's like the only like center slash winger since like Roberto Carlos, I've ever seen be effective on a uh, on a on a free kick uh, like he can. Um, and I'm sorry to say, I, I don't know if uh, if you'll see uh, DC give out a uh, RFK seat um, or anything like that um, when when uh, when Tim Howard comes to town like they did for Landon Donovan. So I don't know if that'll happen, but we'll we shall see. Um, I suppose. <laughs> given that you know he was obviously born in the Metro Stars, I don't think he'll I don't think he'll be offended at all. You know, I guess maybe you know <laughs> nobody beer shower him with Red Bull, and I don't think he'll be too upset about anything. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So um, you covered you covered a lot of the big hitters, sort of Kai Kamara, Benny Failhaber, Tim Howard. Um, a lot of those guys. Is there a player out there that you think that maybe is getting overlooked? A guy who doesn't get a lot of a lot of talk uh, that you think is a player maybe we should be watching out for if we're if we're DC. 
Um, if you're talking about this game upcoming, I think it's going to be really interesting to see, especially with, you know, some of the, the struggles that Luciano Acosta has had recently playing up against Jack Price. Um, Hudson, after that game against Houston, really simplified um, role assignments in the midfield. Uh, Jack Price was one of the main holding midfielders when the Rapids were still running the 3-5-2 last year. And then he spent, he probably played, I'd say, 90% of the minutes um, at the holding midfield role once they actually switched over to the diamond uh there was one game he was suspended for for yellow card accumulation that i believe cole bassett started in and then johan blomberg came in but um he's a holding midfield role and he's been working a lot more to try and sure up that space between the center backs and the rest of the midfield that sort of area that you know that nether region where rooney and lucio acosta will overlap obviously rooney being you know the main uh you know center forward you know i think that's going to be all on uh tommy smith and then uh you know we'll see who starts next to him given that axel schuberg came in in the second half and then gave up another pk that ultimately down the rapids um in Orlando, but I think if you're just talking individual matchup marking, you know, Jack Price, I think has been really solid defensively and has been under the radar for anybody who doesn't A, care about the Rapids or B, is named Bobby Warshaw. Um, <laughs> and I, so I, I think that matchup in terms of what Price is going to do against Acosta, I think is going to be key for the Rapids to try and get, um, you know, their, I believe their first clean sheet of the season, you know, or DC trying to to get off the snide given, you know, the, the two stinkers they've had in the last, you know, seven days. Oh, yeah, those two stinkers. Uh, they were bad. And we seem to have lost, like, every single left or right back we signed uh, this season. Um, we are, like, possibly going in with uh, Paul Areola or a combination of Paul Areola. And I think Chris McCann's injured, so I guess it's going to be uh, Akeem Ward or Jalen Robinson. So you might have some success if you're attacking those wingback positions because uh, I think they're going to be pretty exposed for D.C. But uh, bidding, bringing back to the Rapids side, um, what type of – if you were looking to beat the Colorado Rapids, you're in Ben Olsen's shoes, you're coaching them – how would you feel that would be the best method to go about doing that? Uh, well, it's funny. It's interesting you say the fullback situation because the Rapids fullbacks haven't been that great this year. You know, Keegan Rosenberry was the big offensive acquisition was, coming yeah. over from the Philadelphia Union. Um, you know, got a call up, but then was ultimately sent home along with Kellen Acosta um, relatively early. I, you know, we can talk about Acosta and his U.S. national team issues um i think keegan rosenberry was more just him needing to get fit for altitude since he was starting with the new team um and then you know i've heard rumblings that that was about the time that the rapids wanted to see if he was going to have a good preseason to see about the contract extension that he got um midway through preseason but um you know he's been decent in terms of build-up play but a little bit naive in terms of knowing when to maybe make the safer play and uh, on multiple occasions he's been caught upfield that have ultimately led to mistakes that have given uh, you know, the opponent opportunity to score goals and Dylan Cerna, uh, you know, who's kind of been, you know, everybody, everybody here in Colorado loves him because he was that first big homegrown, you know, he was the proof of concept that now became, you know, where the team's, you know, churning out homegrowns almost on an annual basis, whether it's Cole Bassett, Sam Vines, uh, Sebastian Anderson, who's a right back who might be backing up um, Rosenberry on the bench on Saturday. He was on the bench, but did not come into the game against Orlando. Um, and so Cerna's kind of bounced around in terms of different positions. He was originally a right midfielder. Then he was a left midfielder. He got tried at right wing back uh, last year after uh, Marlon Harrison got hurt for the Rapids. And now he's been at left back. Again, really good things offensively. But, you know, he looks completely out of his depth against Houston. And Albert Elise absolutely torched him, uh, you know, two weeks ago. Uh, and then, you know, he got straight up posterized by Ruan twice in both of those instances um, led to goals, and then he was subbed out um, at halftime. So, 
you know, I, I think it's going to be, you know, it's going to be the, you know, the land of the blind and we'll see who's one eyed in terms of, <laughs> in terms of the wing position there. Um, you know, I think for, for me, at least looking from the other side, I'm really curious to see, um, you know, where Paul Areola lines up, if he's going to be in the midfield or which side, um, you know, he's going to play in terms of a fullback position. I think that'll be really interesting in terms of, you know, let's say it's, uh, you know, let's say it's on the right against uh, Dylan Serna. I think one V one defending, I think both of them could manage the other one with help. I think it'd be really interesting to see who's faster. I think that answer will probably change once we get to about the 70th minute and Ariola starts to feel, you know, the, the heat of the altitude <laughs> on him. But, you know, if, you know, if one of them gets caught off field and then makes a mistake or is too far up or doesn't close out a situation and they're on a break, I think either of them can hurt you. You know, it was still uncertain that helped create the first goal for Kai Kamara on the weekend. And, you know, we know I, I don't need to tell you what Paul Ariola is capable of creating. So <laughs> if Paul Ariola is on, on on a fullback position, I think that 1v1 matchup will be a cat and mouse game. And whoever is able to take advantage of there, I think, is going to have a huge advantage in terms of opening the scoring and getting a result on Saturday. I fully predict that the only way, because considering DC cannot score a goal on the run of play, so if anything's going to happen for DC, it's probably going to come off some sort of Wayne Rooney set piece. Uh, though apparently he's been sick with uh, flu-like symptoms. Um, though there's some there's some discussion as to to whether it is flu-like, whether it was flu-like symptoms or um, a potential uh, hangover because he didn't play on to uh, didn't have a game on Tuesday. Uh, so keep an eye on that story. But uh, we're going to go with the official story that it's flu-like symptoms, and uh, we love Wayne Rooney and everything he's done for the club. Uh, let's get a prediction coming up for the game. Uh, what do you? Uh, what is your prediction for for the game against DC? Are you going to go optimistic? Or are you going to go pessimistic? Where Where are you landing? Uh, I'm going to say I'm, I'm going to put an asterisk, and that'll give two scores. One, let's say Wayne Rooney is healthy, not experiencing flu-like symptoms, and we'll say give 60 minutes of solid effort. I think if that happens, I think DC will ultimately be able to get out of this game with a result. Um, I think they could get possibly a 2-1 win. I'm just I'm not confident right now in terms of what the Rapids are going to be able to do defensively. There's just too much going on in the midfield that hasn't really been sorted out, and the couple of instances where the Rapids have been able to have success is when they've been able to provide service to Kai Kamara into the box and he's been able to win an advantage. You saw him, you know, he got almost nothing. He had a couple of half chances that were him trying to make something out of nothing in the game against Seattle. Chad Marshall had him in the back pocket. You saw, you know, Orlando's back three was an absolute tire fire last week and he was regularly able to draw two defenders to him. If he didn't win that 2v1 matchup, you only had one center back centrally and one of the other midfielders was able to get to something or there was just a lot of space on the wings for Keegan Rosenberg Barry and Dylan Cerner to work on. Uh, you know, I don't know that, uh, you know, Kai Kamar at 34 years old is going to be able to have a huge advantage 1v1 against, you know, Bill Hamid coming off his line or certainly a Steven Birnbaum. I think that'll be a fascinating matchup to watch on set pieces on both sides of the field. Um, you know, unless if Axel's in there, maybe he and Birnbaum end up matching up against each other and maybe they'll put Kai on Rooney. I'm, I'm just spitballing here. Um, but, you know, when the Rapids have had success offensively this year, it's been where there's been suspect center back, suspect center back play in the air. And I think whether it's Milhamid, Brilliant, or um, or um, Steve Birnbaum, I don't think we're going to have that. So I think if Rooney starts and is able to give a full. 65 minute performance i think dc can get out with a 2-1 win um if not i think it'll be a 1-1 draw that's mostly just you know it, it's going to be a wash in terms of who wins the fullback battle um and i'm not going to be able to make an accurate prediction on that um until we um see who's actually starting obviously you've talked about some of the issues for dc declan win uh 
moved over to left back after Dylan Cerna was subbed out. I'm not sure if Dylan Cerna's starting. Um, and Hudson's been very, very high on Sebastian Anderson. So this could be a start. Keegan Rosenberry, see how he does, and maybe put on Sebastian Anderson um, in the second half. So I think a lot of what happens if Rooney isn't healthy is going to be dependent on the wing play. And I think both teams, there's serious tactical and personnel questions that you know make it a wash. And for me, that means 1-1 draw. It could be 3-3. It could be 0-0. <laughs> you know, we could have a bunch of own goals. I have no idea. <laughs> Well, MLS uh, gonna MLS. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the last time, uh, the last time DC played in in Colorado, um, they uh, they were the benefits of uh, a back pass and an own goal, uh, and ended up winning that game in an awful 2017 season. So it could happen again. Who knows? Um, I, I'm gonna go with a one-one draw probably for me. Um, if you had asked me before the LA game, I would say, oh, this, you know, I think we could win this game. We can go in, but uh, things have not have not looked uh, bright. Let's say over the past two games. Uh, so I'm a little bit more uh, a little bit more tempered in my in my uh, analysis at this point. So, but maybe a game like this will change it. Uh, Matt, thank you so so much for joining us. Uh, you've been wonderful and drove a lot of great information there. Uh, tell the good people, uh, any DC fans, anyone wants to to learn more, tell the good people where they can find you. Awesome. Thank you very much for having me, Ted. Uh, you're not the first Eastern Conference podcast uh, to come out here, so it's great to to do a little bit of cross promotion inform people that it is not all doom and gloom for the burgundy and blue and there is stuff actually worth watching uh if you like what you heard you can follow me on twitter at lws matt pollard obviously check out the content the audio content that i do with uh soccer rabbi the artist formerly known as rapids rabbi um at uh rapids 96 podcast on twitter and we're on pretty much every single podcatcher um however you're listening to rfk refugees right now we're probably on there already um and then uh check out all of my work written wise um at last word on soccer.com i'll obviously have a cap on DC and then maybe some follow-up uh, Rapids musings depending on whether or not um, the suckage continues or if the Rapids are able to to you know uh, uh, cut off the bleeding against the, the red and black all right it's it's the black and red Matt don't black call and us, red don't I apologize call us, I apologize flow FC made the mistake of calling us like did some like weird like mnemonic like red and black like for Polarilla like playing for the red white and blue back to the red and black and fans jumped on him, so it's okay. It's okay. You you aren't okay. you didn't pay thirteen million dollars to get the broad the, the <laughs> live streaming rights for the game, so it's okay. It's okay. We'll we'll forgive you for that. Uh, Matt Pollard, thank you so much for joining us, uh, guys. You remember you can catch us on patreoncom slash refugees uh, You can go onto uh, we're on Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you're listening. Uh, Gmail or refugees at gmail.com, twittercom refugees We'll be back next week. Hopefully, John has has discovered. Uh, the secret location of Jared Jeffrey and can give us a report on that. Uh, in the meantime, thank you all so, so much for listening. Uh, my name's Ted, uh, and we will catch you all next week. Vamos and let's go Caps. <laughs>